detailed update on what is causing major backups on I-44 vehicles. It's a good time to remind you A1 Custom Car Care for all of your car care needs. Big, small. Imagine how horrible it would be to be in backed up traffic like some of you who are listening right now on 44 and then having your car just die on you. Uh, Maybe you throw a belt, maybe a hose, ends up busting and over your vehicle overheats and things that could be prevented because oftentimes there are the telltale signs or sometimes they're beyond that sometimes there are obvious signs but you don't get under your hood you don't look at these things so you don't know and and, and here's the thing also that I I think a lot of people assume well they would just tell me well, listen, if you take your vehicle in to have uh, an oil change, for example, that doesn't mean that they're going to go through and check everything. You know, I mean, you, you bring something in for a particular reason, and that doesn't mean that they won't notice. And in fact, A1 Custom Carker, they, they actually do a really good job of it. But just don't make assumptions and, and make sure that when you take your vehicles in uh, that, that you do ask about those things or find out about a routine maintenance schedule, and, and that'll uh, remedy a lot of those problems for you. A1 Custom Car Care. So those folks listening right now backed up on 44, what's going on? Oh, uh... Remember you said you were going to read it to me? Sorry. Clearly, I was not prepared. Uh, So basically what's going on is all of the westbound lanes on I-44 are closed. This is due to a two-vehicle crash involving a tractor trailer. Now, this is at mile marker 82.6. This is heading west from Stratford. Um, The police did say that there was injuries reported with that crash, but they haven't really released too many details at this time. So if you are needing to get on 44 or maybe you're on it and you're stuck in traffic, uh, drivers in the area are instructed to change their route onto northbound US 65. Then you're going to take Valley Watermill Road. That is going to be just north of the I-44 and 65 interchange. And then you will wind your way through there and then back onto southbound US 65. And of course, we have all of that information up at ksgf.com in case you need it. In the atmosphere in which you have had the some, anyhow, some leaders of the Islamic world calling on all real Muslims to slaughter anyone who isn't, there have been numerous attacks across the, the world. And there it was in, in that context the stabbing death of a synagogue president in Detroit. And immediately, people, of course, many made the assumption that, well, this was, a, this was the, the result of a call to carry out these sorts of attacks. And immediately there was a call for, well, let's wait till we get all the information, which, by the way, is the correct call. There was a, a press conference yesterday in which Detroit police announced that the murder of the Jewish leader, Samantha Wolf, wasn't a hate crime, and their evidence of that is that they can't prove that it was one. 
At a press conference, Detroit police made the announcement that it was not a hate crime. Quote, we believe that there are no other groups or anyone else at risk in regard to this particular incident. We believe this incident was not motivated by anti-Semitism and the suspect acted alone. Uh, this individual was community leader, avid, uh, avid supporter of Israel. Very clearly, she was known and identified as president of a synagogue. Police say that when she arrived home, that she was attacked inside, then stumbled outside and collapsed in the yard. Now, uh, from this particular article, it doesn't indicate whether this is because somebody followed her in. You know, oftentimes that's how home invasions occur. Uh, you see it many times, people that they pull into their garage, and as they get out of the car, the garage door is coming down, they will go in and attack them in their own home. And so they have said that she was attacked in her own home and then immediately came out after being stabbed. The Michigan State Police added that investigators have not zeroed in on any single person of interest, saying we have a number of people that give us interest. We're just short of calling one of them a suspect. White, the officer, would not discuss a possible motive or more specific details about the crime, including whether she had defensive wounds over concerns the disclosure could jeopardize the investigation saying we're very, very cautious about what information we share. There are some very intricate details about the case, if revealed, could really damage what we're trying to accomplish. There are some facts that are known only to our suspect. There has been the, the essential position thus far, and of course some there could be information that they have that they don't want to reveal, that they believe they know who it is and it's somebody personally connected to this individual. But the presentation that's largely being given is that they, they are not declaring it a hate crime because they don't have evidence that it's a hate crime. And that is the way it should work. The problem in this, again, is the divisions that foster hate in this country is that our approach is different in identifying hate crimes based on what religion you are, oftentimes, what color you are. There have been numerous press conferences over time in which you have an individual that gets attacked, and before they have any idea whatsoever what the cause, who the person was, they announce, we are looking at this. This is being investigated as a hate crime. And we hear all sorts of rhetoric about hate crime, hate crime, hate crime, hate crime. We have gotten to the point that the, the application of hate crime in this country is in itself a hate crime because it is applied different based on the victim. The approach is different. The public, the media's approach is different. And I think this is a stark example of that. <clears throat> If there is an individual that falls into one of the, the uh, right now, the higher tier categories, the left, they create this tiered system, and oftentimes there is movement. Some move down while others move up. But if an individual is from one of the higher tiered uh, rankings of the left and they are found to have been killed, 
we automatically start hearing about it being a hate crime. No questions asked. Even when it turns out not to be a hate crime, that there's we, we still look at it as a hate crime. I mean, or a hate crime shifted from the actual target to the preferred target. Uh, the Pulse nightclub shooter is a tremendous example. This was somebody that went in to kill as many people as possible in in the name of Islam. Uh, you know, I mean, he said this. This was no surprise or secret. But you still today have people on the left that claim it was targeting LGBTQ people. It was anti-LGBTQ, and it had nothing whatsoever to do with that. There have been numerous extensive media coverage events of people who have had some form of either vandalism or something occur, and because of their status, it is deemed and covered as if it is a hate crime. Several years ago, there was, I think, more than one story about a woman who, there were swastikas painted on her garage or spray painted or, I, I forget, shoe polish, whatever it was. The automatic conclusion was it's a hate crime. And so you get the story. In addition to that, then you get the, an, a, 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 a macro view of America today. And then you get statistics about hate crimes against this and that and so forth. And that was an instance in which it had nothing to do with hate, but it was one of her grandson's friends just goofing around. A woman who got out of her vehicle in Springfield, she was a person of color, to go for a walk or a drive, uh, and um, somebody crapped or put, I think, human or dog crap or something on her vehicle. And there were news stories. Hate crime. Hate crime, hate crime, hate crime. Turned out, wasn't a hate crime. Somebody thought that the vehicle belonged to somebody else. And I think it was the same piece of work who then would go and and, and um, try to kill Officer Preeby, incidentally. We just recently saw uh, an, a lot of coverage, a black church in Springfield in which a swastika was painted, which generally targets Jewish people. If this were a synagogue situation, it would be different. But, you know, it was deemed to be a hate crime against black people. No idea who did it. No idea. A lot, oftentimes it's kids doing things to get just this sort of reaction and they give them what they want. But it's not always that. But there was no actual evidence whatsoever that the reason behind it was hate. But of course, that's the way it gets covered because of the status of the victim. But here you have the murder of a Jewish leader. <clears throat> Within 24 hours of calls to kill as many Jews as possible worldwide by influential people in the religious community of Islam. And immediately the response is, well, now we can't jump to conclusions. There's no evidence here. And it may very well not be. It could just be a coincidence. It could you know, have nothing whatsoever to do with the current political climate against the Jewish people. But that's frankly, how it should always be approached. And the, there, there needs to be, of course, you and I do it, but those who foster these divisions need to do a self-check and recognize 
that, you know, why is it when if the victim is this color or the victim is this religion, we approach it from an angle of hate crime, but if it's a person of this color or of this religion or of this orientation, well, we wait for all the facts to come out first. Why is that? The reasons are not good. Springfield's Talk 1041, latest news update. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. A woman who crashed into a Springfield police car earlier this year is now facing DWI charges. Investigators say Savannah Acoin was approaching the intersection of Glenstone and Sunshine when she hit a police car that had emergency lights and sirens activated. Lab results later showed multiple drugs in her system. The officer suffered minor injuries. Tensions were running high at the Willard City Hall meeting last night, where the Board of Aldermen decided not to vote on hiring a city administrator. This follows a previous meeting where bills of impeachment were introduced against the mayor. The board censured Mayor Samuel Snyder for his decision to terminate the city administrator. No date is set for a new vote. And tonight, the Springfield Public School Board meets to discuss gender identity and sexual orientation language being added to non-discrimination policies regarding reduced school lunches. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmitz, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. 40% chance of showers this morning, otherwise cloudy, high of 77. Cloud 65 tonight, 30% chance of showers in the morning tomorrow, with an eventual high of 78. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers, everyone. Thank you. Well, hunting season is among us, friends. And if you are looking for a great, reputable gun shop, look no further than my friends down there in Monette at Quick Draw Gun. Now, I love to recommend Brad and his team um, because I actually, I went down there and I purchased my first firearm a couple of months ago. And let me tell you the process. It was just as simple as possible. And one thing that I really love about Brad and his team is, um, I guess the best way to put it is they're not going to snub you for not knowing uh all of this information about firearms, if you are a new firearm owner, um, they're going to help you out and they're going to help you narrow down your choices. They're also not going to sell you something that they want to sell you. They're going to sell you something that is going to work for you. So if that is the type of shop that you are looking for, look no further than Brad and his team. Now you can find all of the contact information, uh, shop hours, uh, actual location, all of that information is going to be housed for Quick Draw Gun and Monette under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at KS. SGF.com. This this uh, very effective attempt to divide and pit human beings against one another is is the tactic that has long been used in the Middle East. It is what has led to the fueling of the hate. It compounds itself. It's residual. And unfortunately, this country that once upon a time was a melting pot in which you know we really truly genuinely ultimately and culturally uh, accepted one another's differences we may not have agreed with them we didn't expect compliance with one particular belief system or ideology that was the cool thing about this country which in many ways separated us from others and this was one of the things I rem- I was always taught as well, that clearly the opposite is taught now in the public schools, is that what differentiated this country from so many others is that you were not defined by your ancestry, that when you were born, uh, the sins of parents or grandparents or great-grandparents, that you were not tethered to that. 
And this is what allowed us to be a free society when so many other countries, if you had a certain last name, if you had lineage that went back, that was attached to people that were deemed to be either inferior or privileged or whatever it was, uh, you could not overcome that. And it was one of the great things about this country and why it was that everyone was essentially born as a blank slate. That, that we recognize that, and, and it's why uh, we had an atmosphere in which people could succeed, and it made us one of, or the greatest country in the world. But now we're being taught the opposite, of course, that based off your skin color in particular, or based off your religion, or based off this or that, you are locked in. If you're white, your privilege doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter how poor you grew up. You're still privileged if you're white. If you are black, you are oppressed. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how, quote, successful you think you are. You are ultimately oppressed. We have gotten so accustomed to implementing these divisions that fuel hate that we that if you are opposed to it, you are the bad guy. We have government doing it. There's a story uh, regarding Michigan. Their Department of Health and Human Services held a conference in May regarding harm reduction that featured a panel on denouncing whiteness. Now, isn't that ironic? It's about harm reduction. And what is the premise this, or a discussion point as part of the premise of harm reduction? It is dividing people. And, and notifying the, the community and the culture that these people here, because of their skin color, they're the problem. This is what fuels hate. You would like to think that while the results are an extreme example at this point, what we are watching unfold in the Middle East would be a warning to us here, not just about that Israel versus, you know, the Jews versus the Muslims, the hate that, you know, outside of that, just human beings being told by authorities that this group is bad and you are good. You would think that we would look at the horrors that are occurring and say, you know what, we ought to not be dividing people based off groupings. We ought to not be telling one grouping of people that they are privileged over another and telling this group that those people, they're always out to get you and nothing you can do as long as they exist will ever be good enough. When we have government entities indoctrinating, and it happens in the public schools all the time, obviously we talked about that earlier, indoctrinating people based off of their colors, based off of their background, based off of their ancestries, and telling them this is where you are in life, and there's nothing you can do to escape it. Nothing, nothing positive comes from that. You end up with situations like this. Nazi salute slurs hurled at Jewish high school football team. Members of a Jewish high school football team endured anti-Semitic slurs and gestures, including the Nazi salute after Thursday night's game in Los Angeles, according to school officials. 
Sarah uh, Schulkind, head of school at Milken Community School, a private Jewish high school in Los Angeles, wrote to parents that it was unacceptable that the Jewish grade grade school students, grade school students, were subjected to this. We noted that the football team experienced a variety of anti-Semitic language gestures, including the Nazi salute, mostly from students, although a couple of the opposing players were involved as well. What does it tell you about our school systems, about our culture, when you have not only this sort of thing, you have groupings of people across, and this is happening across the country, feel comfortable enough to do this. But when it happens, it doesn't go viral, if you will. There was an instance, and it was a a player that... uh, I forget what university it was, but it was a huge lead story for a few days where she claimed that an opposing or somebody from people in the crowd were chanting racist things. And I mean, it went viral. The school announced we aren't going to play there again. And it would turn out that none of it was true. Despite the fact that there was absolutely no evidence that it actually occurred. Again, because of the grouping of people that were the so-called victims, it required us all to be outraged, for us all to talk about it, for us all to see that as who we are as Americans. But here you have across this country, and there are videos of it, in San Francisco, students in the school walking out of class, parading through the hallways, chanting from the, the river to the sea, which is a a chant about annihilating Israel and the Jewish people from the land. You have Jewish students at at events that are being subject to anti-Semitic remarks, not Nazi salutes, so forth. And it's like, well, you know, both sides have to deal with things. There is a real problem. And it is it, it the homegrown nature of it is real. It is not, and even this anti-Semitic, this overt anti-Semitism we're seeing in schools, that is not simply because of what is going on in Israel. It is because we have in our culture decided to divide kids and to say that these kids are privileged and you are not. You are the oppressed and you have a virtuous moral right to call them out, to demean them, and to put them in their place, which is why they feel not only unashamed of doing it, but virtuous. Springfield's Talk 1041 is always just an app away. Download the KSGF app and listen live or catch what you missed on KSGF Mornings with Nick. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Look, everyone, it's Sarah Myers. Hey, that's me. Yeah, so, is. a yeah. couple of months ago, I was reading a report that the average brand new vehicle is like upwards of like $40,000. So, whenever you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle, that's because the economy is so awesome. It is really great. If clearly, you can see that uh, Binomics is working mm-hmm. great for us. Um, but whenever you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle, it's important to make sure that you get the right one because you know it's expensive now 
I want to tell you about a great brand new program that Avis the Car Rental Company has created, and that is the Long-Term Rental Program. Now, they created this program to bridge the gap between buying a vehicle and leasing a vehicle. It's great if you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle, but you uh, just want to try a vehicle out before you make that final commitment. Avis the Long-Term Rental Program, they have a ton of vehicles, everything from Ford F-250s to Ford cargo vans to Chevy Bolt EVs, so they do have something for every lifestyle. Now, if you want more information on the long-term rental program, I recommend that you take a trip over to the Avis store. It's located here in Springfield off of Fort and Sunshine. Speak to Lauren, and of course, you can find all of the contact information for Avis under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. There's been a major situation on 40 causing traffic backup so we're going to get updated on that traffic now and then uh in the eight o'clock hour james clary is going to be in as we are heading out we talked earlier with uh scott from the gary sinise foundation today is the day that the keys to the uh the new home that has uh, been uh, built um by the the gary sinise foundation and rise uh for the preview family and and uh this morning the keys get handed over and and so we're going to be out there for that hopefully we'll be able to check in we're kind of playing it by ear in terms of that but uh that's why in the eight o'clock hour james clary will be here so we can head out to that event a traffic update now i'm nick reed you're listening to nick reed in the morning on springfield's talk 1041 All our building company, brand new homes, brand new homes, builder incentive. I was just over there yesterday uh, checking one out. Golden Weaver, that Woodvale subdivision. If you are needing a new home but you don't want to buy a pre-owned home, you want brand new and you want the luxury of the Aller Building Company showroom floor to go through and, and pick out the countertops and the fixtures and the handles and all of those things that, that really give it that personal touch. They give it your personality, then Aller Building Company Definitely for you, O-L-L-E-R, under Nick's endorsements at KSGF.com. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sponsored by Navant Employee Benefits That Work. A 40% chance of showers this morning, otherwise cloudy, 77 for high today. Low around 65 tonight. Tomorrow, a 30% chance of showers in the morning, then partly sunny with a high near 78. Uh, Attorney General Schmidt with us this morning. A couple of different developments occurring. One, in fact, it was uh, referenced in a recent piece in The Federalist. SCOTUS temporarily greenlights Biden administration conspiring with big tech censors. And it, it, it starts out, Molly Hemingway, noting that free speech supporters got both good news and bad news from the Supreme Court on Friday. They agreed to look at whether a far-ranging censorship scheme directed by the Biden administration violates the Constitution. However, they blocked a lower court's temporary restriction on the government suppressing free speech. And the story mentions in here that uh, there was a celebration of the news that the Supreme Court would be hearing uh, a case that uh, you, of course, have been spearheading. So I want to get an update on that. Thank you for being with us. And uh, what's the latest? Yeah, well, Nick, thank you so much for having me on and for covering the story. Like you said, then Attorney General Eric Schmidt filed the case. And after I took over, Andrew Bailey uh, was sworn in on January 3rd after I took over. We pushed that case forward, amended the complaint to add additional allegations. And back in May, we went to court and put on evidence, 20,000 pages of documents, numerous depositions, exhibits we entered into evidence at court at a hearing where we requested a nationwide injunction to put a stop to the government censorship of our free speech on big tech social media. On July 4th, the court, having reviewed the evidence, 
granted the nationwide injunction. Score at that point was Missouri 1, Biden 0 in the fight for free speech. The Department of Justice is committed to future violations of your right to free speech on big tech. They think they have the, the authority to censor what we're saying, to silence voices in opposition. They can't win the argument on the merits, so they've got to silence us. They appealed the decision. We've won twice now defending that injunction at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. So the score at this point is Missouri 3, Biden 0 in the fight for free speech. Uh, Department of Justice has requested uh, that the Supreme Court review the matter. We're excited to be at the Supreme Court. We thought that the injunction should go into place. A majority of the justices disagreed, but I'll tell you, three of the justices dissented. Three of the justices agreed with our side that that wall of separation between tech and state is essential. That was Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch. And they pointed out that, look, we've essentially proven in court that we're likely to succeed on the merits based on the evidence we've induced. Uh, we're talking, I mentioned uh, Schmidt, your predecessor, because his name was in front of me from that Federalist article, obviously, uh, Attorney General Bailey with us. Uh, it, it just seems so surreal to me that something that is should be such a no-brainer is even disputed. And I suppose the refreshing aspect of this is that Democrats at once upon a time claimed that they weren't against free speech and and that they supported the ability of people to share their free thoughts and ideas are now fully acknowledging that they don't support that. Yeah, that's right. No, they, they cannot the merits, so they have to change the rules of the game. And the, the, the way they change the rules is by having those censorship algorithms at Big, che- at Big Tech altered to silence anyone that's saying anything they don't like. And it was exclusively conservative voices that were censored by this vast censorship enterprise. It wasn't the other side. And so, yeah, I mean, it it is absolutely viewpoint discrimination. I wanted to also ask you about a uh, Supreme Court move on Friday, refusing to reinstate the state law here in Missouri that barred state and local law enforcement from enforcing federal gun control laws. What, What is that about? Well, that's a merely procedural matter. Okay. So the, the General Assembly passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, which is really just a codification of the Tenth Amendment anti-commandeering doctrine. And so for those uh, constitutional scholars out there, they'll remember that the Tenth Amendment, the Con- Second Amendment protects our right to keep firearms. Tenth Amendment says that any authority not given to the federal government or de- denied to the states is reserved by the states and the people of the states. And that the government can't hijack the apparatus, of, the federal government can't hijack the apparatus of state government to accomplish its purposes. And so the Second Amendment Preservation Act merely said that we're not going to enforce unconstitutional federal gun laws. And so the Department of Justice sued the state of Missouri. We've been defending it at the district court level, at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals put the law on hold while they review the matter, and we asked the Supreme Court to lift that. Uh, they, they declined to do so, but we'll keep fighting this thing all the way up to the highest court in the land. And I'll tell you, there's a tie-in to an issue you all are seeing in Springfield right now. And, and this is where the, the anti-commandeering doctrine comes into practical application. The Springfield School Board is going to take up today whether or not to implement an anti-discrimination policy that adds LGBTQ gender identity protections at the demand of the United States Department of Agriculture as part of their free lunch program, free and reduced lunch program. And this is what I'm talking about. When the federal government comes in and says, hey, we, the federal government has no authority for schools. No authority to do that. But what they'd have authority to do is put a purse string out there and say, if you want this bucket of money, you got to do what we say. And that means you got to think like we think and act like we act and indoctrinate your kids like we want you to. That's where the anti-commandeering doctrine comes in, is we have to be able to push back and say, no, you cannot control the apparatus of state government by using purse strings. 
We're talking with Attorney General Andrew Bailey. Is it, isn't it sad and amazing, all of these news stories with all of these uh, uh, gay and lesbian students who are being denied lunch at school? Yeah, yeah, exactly, because it's not happening. Right. But, but here's my point, is that the, the federal administrative state, there is no, I don't, as I'm reading the Constitution, I don't see any sanction, I don't see any authority for the federal administrative state. I don't remember ever voting for the undersecretary of the EPA. So it is an un, inherently undemocratic, uh, unrepublican structure that's been added to our government and has ballooned so quickly. It's gotten so big that it's unmanageable now. And it was one thing when they were just administering programs. They were giving a hand up. But now what they're doing is tying that hand up to an indoctrination program. We see in the Department of Labor, you've got to implement ESG programs uh, in order to receive Department of Labor uh, authorization. We see it in the EPA. We see it in the United States Department of Agriculture now, that you're not going to get this money for free and reduced lunch unless you indoctrinate your children the way we see fit. And so you know, th- this is nothing short of a, a radical social change that could not be achieved through legislation that Biden is now put it, pushing through unelected federal bureaucrats. We have a lawsuit pending right now to put a stop to it, and we've got 27 lawsuits pending on this, these types of issues against the federal government to try to protect Missourians and our constitutional rights. Well, nothing says compassion like threatening to deny hungry kids food in order to get your political agenda implemented in schools. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, here's what I fear. Let's go back to the First Amendment case. Let's say you, uh, well, we get on X or or Facebook and start talking about this and start calling the USDA out for for the lies they're spreading and the hate they're spreading and and the the risk that they're, you know, putting our children in. I'm feared, I'm fearful that we would be censored and it would be at the behest of the federal government. I mean, this is, again, going full circle. This is the practical implication. These aren't theoretical academic exercises in court. This is where real lives are impacted on these types of issues. When, when the Biden administration behaves illegally, unconstitutionally, this is what it looks like boots on the ground. Attorney General Andrew Bailey, always a pleasure. Appreciate you uh, jumping in with us every so often and keeping us updated on what's going on. Hey, thanks, Nick. Thanks for covering this story. All the best to you and your listeners. All right. Same to you. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, summer was pretty brutal when it came to storms. We had lots of wind, lots of rain, lots of hail. And as we move into this cooler weather and you're doing maintenance around your home, one thing that you may not think about is doing a free roof inspection. And I like to mention that because the Pyramid Roofing Company does free roof inspections. So if you are kind of got a little fear, maybe you're thinking we had a lot of hail in our area. Do I have damage? Is my roof going to be okay as we move into the cooler weather. Uh, Don't have that fear. Just call Josh and the Pyramid Roofing Company. They'll come out. They will do that free roof inspection for you. They'll get on your roof, take tons of photos and videos uh, so you don't have to get up there, and then they will work through the process with you. Maybe you're in a situation where you don't need a whole new roof. Maybe you need just a roof repair or maybe you need new gutters, new vents. Whatever the situation is, the Pyramid Roofing Company has got you covered. Now, if you want to go ahead and schedule that free roof inspection, you can find all of the contact information for Josh and the Pyramid Roofing Company under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. I was talking earlier about one of the successful ways that you can make people feel virtuous in battling one another, groupings of people, is you 
make it seem normal that based off of background, skin color, religious beliefs, that you know, that treating, having the law, having justice treat them differently based on that conditions people to think that it's okay. It, it, it conditions people to see this group of people as different or inferior or as privileged and they should be brought down a peg. And it's extremely damaging. And of course, religion is the reason that is used to do what is done in the Middle East. But it is that successful, it's the ability to successfully convince groupings of people that they're bad guys because of, of you know, religious beliefs, backgrounds, race, so forth. Now, just to give you an idea here in this country, for example, there's a story out of New Jersey. It's a New Jersey guy, white guy, didn't get along with his neighbors who were black and had verbal confrontations, not physical confrontations, verbal confrontations in which he used racial slurs, sentenced eight years in prison because of his words. Again, no physical confrontation, but the, the, um, investigation was launched after the neighbors complained because he was using racial slurs and uh he was found guilty four counts of bias intimidation in the fourth degree for using the racial slurs now at the same time and we just you know we talked about this in the context of schools earlier but even adults we have adults in this country that are openly calling for the elimination of jews that are openly and virtuously in their own minds calling for punishment of Jewish people, calling for the elimination of Jewish people that are encouraging and supporting Hamas's attempt to carry out the elimination of the Jewish people. Now, you want to talk about racial intimidation? But see, they're the wrong kind of victim. We live in a country where if the victim is a certain color and you use certain words, you can go to prison for eight years. But if the you know, same scenario, you use certain words against a certain group of people and it's free speech. These are the divisions that result in people turning on one another. Never, ever, ever. Does it result in anything positive other than those who are in power and they retain and cling to their power by turning people against one another? You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Coworker and I were checking. We, we were doing a number of things yesterday and we happened to head into a home that was under construction. It was mostly finished, but not completely. And it had the standard garage floor. And frankly, it did not fit the rest of the house. Um, it had this you know, beautiful new home. And it was a step above what you oftentimes see. But it was just a plain old garage. And part of it, in my mind, is because now I know what it's like to have a garage expert's floor. And so going that's going backwards. Uh, and I understand now why... People who have garage experts put down the epoxy flooring with their prep process and their high-quality product. Why, anytime somebody moves 
into a new home, one of the first calls they make is to garage experts to have their new garage done because it really does raise the level of quality of the floor and aesthetics of the floor as well. You can see uh, you know, what it is that they do. Go to Nick's Endorsements, ksjeff.com. There's also a video on our Facebook page, 1041 Nick Reed, where you can actually see the transformation of my garage with garage experts. And again, you can find them under Nick's Endorsements at ksgf.com. Uh, James Clary is going to be in the upcoming hour. We are going to head out to the the dedication ceremony, the handing over the keys to the Preby family, their brand new home, courtesy of uh, the, uh, the Gary Sinise Foundation, Rise, and a number of area businesses that all helped uh, uh, build that. And so we'll hopefully be able to check in from there, just kind of depending, we're playing it by ear, uh, how all of that is going to play out there. But otherwise, you will have the benefit of uh, James Clary in here. Uh, with you for the upcoming hour. I, I want to mention, and I know some of you understand, we're watching this playbook that plays out in front of us with the the terrorist of Hamas releasing two more of these hostages. And this is all done for control. That's what this is done. This is Hamas controlling the situation, and they control it for their own benefit, their long-term benefit. Terrorists are very long-term game, game folks. Uh, they, they plan for the long haul. They plan for uh, setting the stage and developing the scenarios well beyond their existence. This is uh, a great deal of patience that, that they have, and it benefits them when dealing with people that want short-term, happy, feel-good solutions. And this is where they use hostages for the purposes of, it right now, halting an attack that is meaningful on them as a terrorist organization by the Israelis. It's why they're doing it. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their own heart. They are not releasing hostages two at a time because they have had some change of heart and have seen the light. If that were the case, they'd release all of them. It is to control the scenario and they want to control the scenario to prevent the ceasefire as long as possible in order to remain as powerful as possible so that they can continue on with their goal of annihilating Israel as a country and eliminating the world of the Jews. And it is, it's, it's almost like an open book test. We have the answers. We know what's going on. Yet we still fall into that trap as we watch so many world leaders saying, well, maybe we should hold off. Maybe Israel should not go in and try and eliminate the threat as long as they continue to release hostages. Unfortunately, with that scenario, Hamas is in control. Uh, all right. Hey, just to mention, we do have a Heroes Breakfast coming up on Friday for veterans and our great escape. Two junior suites left. That's where we are. News in 60 seconds. I'm Nick Reed.